When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hey everyone, a great Tuesday to one and all. Greg Peterson. Here for MLB Overtime Betting, broadcasting from the Izuni Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. Have a terrific show for you today. Jeff Nadu, a.k.a. the big man on campus, terrific handicapper, going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at some season trends that we've noticed and taking a look at Tuesday's card in the final segment. I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. But first... You guys asked me a couple Twitter questions, and I've got some answers for you. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. First one comes in from a gentleman by the name of Matt Falk. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt A. Falk, and the last name Falk is spelled F-A-L-K, at Grady one How much do you factor in team splits versus R slash L, which means righty versus lefty. It doesn't stand for run line. And it also doesn't stand for ruffles versus lays. I noticed the Pirates have the worst OPS against lefties in the majors. So that's making me lean on their team under and or Diamondbacks run line. This is obviously from yesterday, but obviously can up whenever you've got a left-handed pitcher going. And it is something that I look at 
we do know that in this day and age of baseball, we do see a lot of platoon players. Obviously, sometimes that'll be a little bit more or less when it comes to a catcher correlated as to who's pitching, but we know that typically you'll get a little bit of a different lineup, and it is something to pay attention to. Now, the Pirates in general just have not necessarily been the best offense, so that was what was making me lean towards the Diamondbacks run line. I was on the over yesterday, too, just because I took a look at who was pitching for the Pirates and Nick Kingham, and I said, you know what, this is going to be a slaughter, and of course, the Diamondbacks got the total all by themselves, but it is something that you do want to take a look at. There are some teams that they just hit righty well, but they struggle against lefties and vice versa. There are some teams that they're pretty equal, and I feel like that's the way it is for most of these teams, just because they do have a couple different guys that are going to rotate whenever you have a lefty in there, and they're going to be in whenever you have a righty, and you always want to pay attention to whenever some of those guys are struggling as well, because when you see someone that is supposed to be hitting righties really well, and for the year he's hitting like a buck 80, that is something that you really do want to take a look at, but it is something I feel like honestly just irons itself out and you're able to catch the trends. I would say more after two months because there are some of these teams that they just haven't faced too many lefties. So jury is still out on them, but it's something that I certainly do look a little bit more towards when we hit the summer months. This one comes to me from a gentleman that goes by the name 20 times. You can follow him on Twitter at DAV. Man U for life at GNNRSquarty1. A question for the pod. Wrigley Field is known for games going under even in past seasons. Is there any other fields with similar consistencies in results of weather over and under or for wins for home and away teams? With Wrigley Field, we know that the wind really influences the total, the over-under and everything like that. When it comes to weather, there are some of the ballparks that obviously are going to have no impact on it whatsoever, like the Miami Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, Toronto Blue Jays, everything like that. You're in a dome. There's really nothing to be had there. Some of the ones I feel like the weather can affect it, I would say more of the New York ballparks could sometimes have a little bit of an impact there whenever the wind's blowing in or out at City Field and or Yankee Stadium. That has an impact. Camden Yards out there in Baltimore as well. We've seen some of these totals get sky high and then whenever it gets just so hot in Texas because whenever you have that Texas heat, the ball just really starts flying out of the yard out there at Globe Life. So I would say that that has a little bit of an impact on it. In regards to win-loss, we are noticing that there are some teams that play really well at home. I know that the Dodgers, I believe, are currently 16-5 and at home this year. They've been really good, but I wouldn't really consider that a impact due to conditions or anything like that. And then we do notice that in past years, it hasn't necessarily been the case this year, but the Tampa Bay Rays, they play just as well on the road sometimes as at home. That's just due to attendance in general. There are some teams that have a little bit of a bigger home field advantage than others, but I would say totals are more of your impact when it comes to the home ballpark. And the ones I do notice the most, obviously Wrigley Field, as you mentioned, and then the ones out there in New York. I would even say Philly a little bit as well. You sometimes get the ballpark conditions there, and then the ones where it impacts the lease, obviously the domes, and then San Francisco. For some reason, I've noticed this with San Francisco, even when you get a 20 mile per hour wind, it just doesn't do anything in regards to the total. You know that it's just hard for that ball to go out there, and San Diego as well. 
well, in San Diego, it's always like nice and sunny and perfect temperatures and everything like that. So that can explain it a little bit too. But those two ballparks, even though they're outdoors, you just really don't get much of an impact from ballpark conditions, whereas you do sometimes in Baltimore as well. So hopefully that answers your question. And now let's help you guys answer some questions in regards to what you should be betting on in the future by taking a look back at yesterday and trying to find some trends from those results. What trends should you pay attention to? Well, Greg is going to tell you what he he has on the black. The Milwaukee Brewers got off to a pretty nice start against the Philadelphia Phillies despite the fact that they were on Sunday Night Baseball, but it appears as though the tiredness did get to them as the Philadelphia Phillies were able to open things up late and they were able to get a 7-4 win. For the Milwaukee Brewers, they did have a couple guys be able to supply some power. Yasmani Grandal triple towards the beginning of the game was huge and then Mike Moustakis hit his 10th home run of the year off of Aaron Nola who he doesn't get a decision in this one, and he struggled. He only made it three innings. He only gave up three runs, but his pitch count was all the way up to 84. He was really having a tough time with everything, gave up that home run. But then from there, the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen goes six innings, gives up just one run. They look absolutely spectacular at this point. Guys like Sir Anthony Dominguez, Pat Neshek, Alvarez, Juan Niasco, they all did the job for this team. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, Freddie Peralta, had a decent start in this one, but he just got his pitch count up a little bit too high. He was pulled after four innings with 80 pitches. I felt like he probably could have won an extra inning. He gave up two runs, only one of which was earned. And then Jeremy Jeffries winds up taking the loss in this one. He gives up two runs in his inning of relief. Matt Albers gave up a run as well. Albers is ERA now up to a 4-5. And Junior Guerra gives up two runs as well. as Providing the power for the Philadelphia Phillies in regards to a home run is Cesar Hernandez. His fourth of the year. He now has 17 RBI. Doing a great job at the bottom of the lineup, hitting over 300. So big takeaways from this one. The Phillies bullpen really getting it going. And the offense seems to be very strong. Another team where the offense is really firing on all cylinders. How about the Houston Astros? They take down the Detroit Tigers 8-1. For those of us that had the under, the three runs that the Astros got in the ninth inning were a little bit overwhelming. Robinson Torinos winds up teeing off for his sixth home run of the year. And then you had a home run from Alex Bregman in the ninth inning that allowed that total to go over his 13th. Jake Morizic winds up going deep as well. That was his fourth dinger of the year. And Aledmiz Diaz also had his fourth home run of the year as Brad Peacock. Other than that one start that he had against the Minnesota Twins earlier this year, has been a pretty solid starting pitcher. He now has an ERA of a 4-0-1. Five innings pitch, he gives up one run. And then from there, four innings of relief of no runs for the Houston Astros. They have the best team bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. And Matthew Boyd, a guy that's been a good bet on pitcher all year, wound up getting knocked out early in this one. He goes four innings, gives up three runs, including two of those three home runs. He now has an ERA of a 3.15, and he just got his pitch count up to 96, which did not allow him to be able to do much. And then Victor Alcantara, the bullpen, gives up two runs, and Reed Garrett winds up giving up three himself. The Detroit Tigers looked like they were turning the corner with their bullpen. It did not show on this night as a team that appears to be turning the corner with their offense, the LA Angels. They wind up getting a 5-4 win over the Minnesota Twins. Jose Barrios has been good all year long, and... He has been a guy that throughout his career has pitched really well at target field. This was the first start of the year, which he did not make it past the sixth inning. He winds up going five and two-thirds innings, gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs, and 12 hits. As the Angels in this one had a grand total of 15, 
and supplying those home runs. Tommy LaSalle, his 10th, and a very good sign for the LA Angels. Shohei Otani goes deep for his first stinger of the year. Tyler Skaggs did not have his best start, to say the least. He goes five innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs. But an Angels bullpen that has been good all year long delivers four innings of scoreless relief as supplying the power for the Minnesota Twins. Marwan Gonzalez, who seems to be really getting things going with the bat, his fourth of the year. And Jorge Polanco, his eighth of the campaign as the Twins bullpen also appears to be doing a decent job. They were able to hold the LA Angels scoreless in their three and a third innings. But the big bugaboo for the Minnesota Twins, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. Hard to win that way. It's also hard for the Cleveland Indians to win with the offense that they're getting right now as the White Sox get a 5-2 win. The Cleveland Indians got two runs on two hits. Francisco Lindor wound up providing the power. He hits his fifth home run of the year. He had both RBI, and he was the only man for the Cleveland Indians that wound up getting a hit as Shane Bieber did not look good in his start. He goes six and a third innings. He gives up five runs, but more concerning, four home runs. As for the Chicago White Sox, Wellington Castillo, guy that struggled all year long, goes deep. His third of the year, Yoan Moncada, gets two dingers. His eighth and ninth of the campaign, and Jose Abreu is tenth. Ronaldo Lopez, who a couple starts ago against the Detroit Tigers, wound up having something like 14 strikeouts in six innings. Looked pretty good in this one. He did give up that home run to Lindor, but in seven and two-thirds innings, gives up just two hits, one run. And then from there, the White Sox bullpen, which has been so much better this year, winds up being able to hold down the lead and does not give up a single hit. The Arizona Diamondbacks, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, they just torched the Pittsburgh Pirates, winning by a count of 9-3. to The Pirates get two runs in the first inning, but then from there, Robbie Ray was able to settle in. He winds up going five innings. He gave up those two runs, but only one of them was earned as there was a error in the early part of the game by Christian Walker. Robbie Ray actually only walked two in this one. He now has a 3-1-4 ERA. Then from there, the Diamondbacks go four innings in the bullpen, giving up just one run. That run was given up by Archie Bradley, who seems to be really coming back down to earth after a good start. But speaking of good starts, Christian Walker and Eduardo Escobar were both able to hit home runs in this one. That was the eighth for both of them as... Clay Holmes, whenever you see him come in for relief with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you got to assume that runs are going to be scored. He now has a 6.75 ERA. He was terrible in relief last year. And Nick Kingham is a pitcher that you've got to be fading. In four innings, he gives up 10 hits, seven runs, all of which were earned, including one of those home runs. And then for the Pirates, they were able to get 13 hits in this one, but they were just four for 17 with men in scoring positions. The Pirates' bats seem to be coming around. They're just not able to hit it where they aren't. And then this game is still going on. I have to post this thing by midnight. But the Oakland A's had a 4-1 to lead going into the bottom of the eighth inning against the Seattle Mariners. And then Lou Trevino winds up giving up a home run to Daniel Vogelbach. This game is currently 4-4, to and it's going into extra innings. As for the Seattle Mariners, they did not necessarily get the best start out of UC Kikuchi. He winds up going... Six innings, he gives up three runs, and all of which were solo home runs. The Oakland A's in their four runs, all of which were solo shots. Chris Davis appears to be back. That's good for the Oakland A's. He winds up hitting his 11th and 12th of the year. Mark Canna, his third of the year. He's been banged up. Another good sign to Matt Olson. Guy coming off the injured list, his second. So perhaps this is where the corner turns for the Oakland A's offense. And perhaps Mike Fires has turned the corner as a starter. He goes five innings, gives up just one run. He obviously had the no-hitter in the start before, and he actually didn't look too bad in this one. You could tell that they were limiting his pitch count a little bit after that long 
long start. He did wind up giving up a solo home run, though. That was supplied by Mitch Hanniger, his 10th of the year, a leadoff home run. But now the A's bullpen is really starting to fail them with Lou Trevino winding up giving up those three runs. You've obviously got Joaquin Soria, who now has a 4-4-3 All right, He looks a little bit better, but then you're really rolling the dice with Fernando Rodney and company as well. So big takeaways on this Monday are the fact that the Phillies' bats are getting going and the bullpen looks good. The Houston Astros continue to rake and they continue to get good bullpen pitching. The LA Angels have emerged with their offense. Cleveland Indians continue to not be able to hit. It got to be fading Nick Kingham and the Oakland A's might be getting their mojo back on offense, but they might be losing it with the bullpen. That is what all happened on Monday. Now let's turn the page forward to Tuesday and helping me do so, my man Jeff Nadu, aka the big man on campus. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. Back here on MLB Overtime Betting, Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. It is time for a regular on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Nadu. It is the big man on campus. You've heard him so many times on College Hoops Overtime Betting. You've heard him a couple times this year on MLB Overtime Betting, and he is kind enough to join me once again. Jeff, how are you on this fine day? Doing good, Greg. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you on, and It's a great day for the New York Yankees as they find themselves right in the middle of the AL East race. They're going to be taking on the Baltimore Orioles on Tuesday, which typically lends itself to good things. But taking a look at the pitching matchup here, J.A. Happ going for the New York Yankees, Andrew Kashner for the Orioles. The Orioles are a over $2 underdog. Call me crazier, but I think there might be a little bit of value here on the Orioles. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go in this game. I think one thing that I will definitely zero in on in this one is probably the first five. I really kind of want to isolate Kashner against Hap. I think that's a matchup that I think more is a coin flip than maybe the I might might add. I, I like what I've seen out of Kashner. He's the only Oriole that's had at least three starts of six or more innings. He was terrific in his last start against the Red Sox. I kind of like what I'm seeing out of him. I'm not in love with Jay Happ. I think he's just been an average pitcher. And I think a lot of the times with teams like Baltimore, I think you got to kind of take shots at them once in a while. And I think anytime Kashner pitches, it's kind of, a for me, a decent spot. You look at Jay Happ, in his five home starts this year, he has an ERA above six. He has a whip at 1.44. He's just not been very effective at home. I'm going to look to maybe grab Kashner here in a spot that I think he's better than the price indicated. I think also one thing to keep in mind, when Andrew Kashner pitches this year, Baltimore 7-1. and one. They've really, for whatever reason, won his starts. They score runs for him. I like what I'm seeing out of Kashner, and I think in this spot, uh, he's much better than the price indicated. And to your point, I'm taking a look at this on Odd Shark right now. Going into this game, Andrew Kasher, the third most profitable pitcher in the big leagues if you bet $100 on every starting pitcher out there. So he's actually been cashing for you at the window. So I guess he's been living up to his last name. And all in all, I do think that the outlook is bright for the New York Yankees. But Miguel Andujar is back on the injured list as well. How are you going to be playing the Yankees moving forward? Because we've noticed that they've been winning a ton of games despite all these injuries. But 
You have to think at some point it's going to catch yeah, up. I guess. But then I also look at them and I say, well, you know, most of their team from a pitching perspective is pretty healthy and, you know, their bullpen's been solid. I don't bet them a ton just because of kind of the prices they're laying a lot of the time. I don't know how I'll approach them. I think they're only going to get better. I think they're only going to improve, continue to build them with have. Not everyone's going to be hurt all season. I think they'll be fine long term. I actually really like them from a long term perspective. You'd have to expect around the deadline. They'll go out and kind of reload and deal with some of the things maybe they're not happy with. I think you know, from a perspective of as we get in July and August, they're just going to be laying a lot of big prices. I don't know how much value there's going to be with them. We certainly do know that if there is a definition of a public team, it is the New York Yankees, as we've got Jeff Nadeau joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And then a game that I think is going to be very intriguing, even though the crowd in this one might not be so packed is the Miami Marlins as they're playing host to the Tampa Bay Rays. Charlie Morton going on the bump for the Rays. And then you've got Craig Smith on the other end for the Marlins. We're seeing a total of six and a half in this one, and it's warranted because Charlie Morton has been dealing this year. And Caleb Smith, 2-11 ERA, and he pitches for a team in the Marlins that is by far the worst team in the majors at being able to drive in runs. What do you make out of this? Because right now, Typically, I take a look at a total of six and a half, and I think, oh, we've got to hammer the over. But right now, I'm actually a little bit split. I might be looking at an over, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I think it's tricky. Yeah, I think it's definitely tricky. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay this year when they have a total of seven or less, the under six and two when they have the total of that length. And you look at the fact that you know how good their pitching's been. I mean, their pitching's been unbelievable. I mean, you look at opponents. I mean, opponents have done very little against this group. And you look at Charlie Morton. He's had a terrific year. He's 4-0 at home with an ERA at 1.61. Whip is at 1.12. He's just been awesome. They have a great bullpen. And when you look at pitching, pitching, they have the best ERA in baseball as far as from a team perspective. They have just been awesome to watch. You've mentioned the inability for Miami to do anything. They're dead last in the league and run scored at 2.7 per game. But you look at Caleb Smith. He, he's really been the one bright spot for them this year. He had a big start in his last start out against the Cubs. He had 11 strikeouts in that game. He's really been kind of the rock for this group. And you know, I'm looking at this total, and, and I see seven, and unders are really tough, man. I mean, I think in any sport anymore, it's like you got to get real lucky to hit under. It's just that simple. But you look at Smith, I mean, his numbers are pretty unbelievable. Not only is he not giving up runs, but you look at on the season in seven outings, his whip is .89. That's pretty unbelievable. I mean, you, you want to whip at like 1.1. I mean, his whip is unreal. He doesn't even allow base runners. His strikeout numbers are awesome. I think the only concern you have here is that bullpen for the Marlins. You got to kind of expect them to kind of, uh, kind of get outs. But I think for large parts of this game, there's going to be a lot of quick innings. And I think that we're going to see a lot of quick innings in Los Angeles, as well as we've got one of the best pitching matchups we're going to see all year long. We have to hit on this. Chris Paddock goes for the San Diego Padres. Clayton Kershaw for the LA Dodgers right now. I'm seeing as high as a plus 155 price here on the Padres. And Chris Paddock, he looks like a Cy Young candidate at this point. 155 ERA. 0.69 0.69 whip in 42 thirds innings. He's given up just 18 hits. Clayton Kershaw, meanwhile, in 32 two thirds innings, he's given up five home runs, 331 ERA. This is a spot right here with a total of seven. 
I have to be looking at the under, and I have to be looking at a plus price with the Padres because Chris Paddock has proven that he's an ace. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of fading the Dodgers. I mean, they're really good. I think they're going to win a lot of games this year. I mean, it seems like, I don't know about you, Greg, like when you look over games, it seems like they win every game. I don't know if like it seems like that for you, but like every time I look at like scores and stuff, it seems like they win every time. It's a tough proposition to bet against them, but... Yeah, I mean, anytime I'm getting a number like this with Chris Paddock, I'm interested. He has been kind of a revelation. I mean, look at his last three starts, 20 and two-thirds. He's only given up two earned runs over that time, 25 strikeouts. I mean, just ridiculous numbers. I watched him pitch against the Mets a few starts ago. I think it was two starts ago. I mean, he didn't give up a run. Full game, You know, he's awesome. Terrific. I'll tell you right now as well, another kind of forgotten part of San Diego is their bullpen is very good. They actually might have the best closure in the game right now. Nobody talks about Kirby Yates, but he is as good as it gets. I think, Greg, I saw the other night, he said four consecutive starts where he's completely struck out the side every time he's pitched. I think he struck out 12 in a row or something. It, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to give me San Diego at this price, this is the kind of price I feel like I would lay with Clayton Kershaw kind of in past years, maybe a bit even higher, but... I don't know. He's not been overly special. I'll gladly grab Paddock at this price. And the one person that's talking about Kirby Yates, your guy right here on MLB Overtime Betting. I've been banging the drum of Kirby Yates as we've got Jeff Nader joining me right here on the podcast. And it's so hard to find trustworthy bullpens these days. I do feel like the Padres of all teams provide one. I do like what I've seen out of the Houston Astros. I will say that Chris Davinsky has been laying them down recently, but past that, They've been pretty good. Is there any other team where you sit there, maybe other than the Rays, where it's like, this is a trustworthy bullpen because we've got so many teams like the Mets, the Nationals, the Orioles, where they just gas can games left and right. And it's just refreshing to see a team with a good bullpen. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely hard to find. I I think Cincinnati's has been fairly good. I I think Toronto, they're kind of underrated. I've kind of noticed with them, they've had... A pretty good pitching staff this year. Minnesota's look real good. I mean, Minnesota's had a, a great staff uh, overall. I think their teams are going to kind of make their leaps. I think, you know, Pittsburgh's had a couple tough outings lately with Musgrove and some of their guys, but I think their closure at the back's really good. You know, the Phillies, I, I think they're going to improve. I think the Phillies, I've been calling for this for a long time. Go out and get Dallas Keiko and move Vince Velasquez to the bullpen. I think it'd be a big positive move for that group. But yeah, I, I think there's bullpens out there. You just got to kind of search them out. The Rays have been one, and obviously Cincinnati and you know, parts of San Diego. But yeah, it, it's definitely tough to bet against Kershaw, but I think this would be a good spot for it. And you mentioned the Cincinnati Reds, and they're going to be playing also the Chicago Cubs on Tuesday. I think that this is an intriguing matchup as you've got Kyle Hendricks going for the Cubs. He's went 17 innings in his last two starts, and he's given up zero earned runs. I know they gave up a couple runs in his last start, but those were unearned. He goes up against Sandra Rorark, who's actually looked pretty good this year for the Cincinnati Reds after last year with the Nationals. He got the poor 4-12 and 12 start. Calling this game, I'm seeing is 9 with the under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125, and the Cubs a slight favorite. This is a spot where I really do have to look at an under. I know how hard it is to get unders in this day and age, but I just don't see how either of these teams really get over four runs with both these bullpens pitching so well and the starters in general actually being pretty good for these teams. 
Yeah, and I mean, we all know with Cincinnati, they're never going to score a ton of runs. One other comment, Greg, on that San Diego game. San Diego's been a pretty good road team this year. You look at on the season, 12-8, and eight, they've made betters over six units of profit so far. So th- this team's been trustworthy on the road. But, but yeah, with the Cubs and with the Reds, I mean, anytime you get a Reds game with a total at nine right now, I mean, they're kind of just the total opposite, I think, of what you kind of thought they'd be. Over the past few years, they've had a really bad bullpen, and you could never really trust them. But you know, this year, it's it's they can't really hit, and their pitching's been terrific. I really don't know how else to put it. You look at really all the under trends come in. I mean, 26 and 14 to the under this year, one of the best under teams in baseball. The only issue you have with the Cubs and when you play an under is – this Cubs lineup's been really good, but overall, both pitching staffs have been fantastic. Uh, they're both top three in the league and earn run average against. I don't have any issue kind of with that. That was kind of where I was going to go with this game. You know, anytime I can get Cincinnati at this price, I'm interested. You look at Hendricks, he's given up zero run runs in three of his past four starts. 24 strikeouts. He hasn't walked many. You know, Roark's been, been fine as well. So, yeah, I, I thought this number would be eight. I'm surprised it's not. I'm right there with you, as we do have Jeff Nadu right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And Jeff, is there anything else that's really standing out to you? I remember you dropped in the nugget a few weeks ago of the Tampa Bay Rays run line, and they've continued to win all but one of their games so far this year by two-plus runs, so obviously that's been a good one. Anything else you're really noticing in general? I mean, I kind of hinted at them when I was talking about bullpens, but you know, Minnesota, I mean, continue to back this group. They've always been really good in the first half of the season. Uh, you look at this year, sixth in the league in runs scored, almost 5.3 a game. Pitching staff's been good. Bullpen's been solid. And you look at it at home, 13 home wins, 11 have come by two or more runs, or 13 and seven at home this year. I, I like what I'm seeing out of Minnesota. I've really been happy with some of their outcomes this year. I mean, when they win, they're winning by pretty good margins. They're just getting on base. I mean, 263 is a group from an average perspective, 332 on base. Really like what I've seen out of Minnesota. They've been a nice bet at home on the run line. And you look at coming up, they're going to be you know, kind of traveling for a little bit, but you're going to get a good amount of home games towards the end of May. So it might be a good spot to kind of jump back on them later in uh, the month. Totally agree with you, Jeff. And I would like to close it up with this. Where can the good people find your terrific work out there on social media and elsewhere? Since I know that you're breaking down the baseball card, you're taking a look at things in the world of soccer. The NBA playoffs is obviously where you shine as well. Let the good people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff, J-E-F-F-N-A-D-U. I have a lot going on right now. I'm actually kind of in the works, Greg, right now. I have some pretty big news for myself. Might have some things going on in the near future. But yeah, I really just kind of talk about everything. Uh, NBA, soccer. You know, we'll start college football stuff real soon. And, you know, I might have some things in the works I think people are going to enjoy and they're going to be able to find me kind of on a bigger level. So, yeah, I would just follow me on Twitter. I always appreciate talking to you, Greg. I'm looking forward to, you know, a week or two talking about some NBA draft stuff down the road and all that kind of thing as well. Me too. That's going to be a lot of fun on our flagship show, College Hoops Overtime Betting, which Jeff is always a part of. So a big thanks to Jeff for joining me in the last segment. And coming up next, I give you a side and total on every game on the baseball betting board for this Tuesday as we touch them all. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. 
Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to the big man on campus, a.k.a. Jeff Nadu, for joining me in the last segment as we're back here in the Azunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. And now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays is going to be noted up on my Twitter page, at Unit one Going in Las Vegas rotation order as always. Some of these plays all locked in, good to go. Other of these plays were in wait and see mode, whether it be lineups, whether it be line moves, anything like that. And I'll be noting that as we go along, as we start with 9.51, 9.52 on the bang rotation. The Chicago Cubs go to Cincinnati to play against the Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. Tanner Roar goes for the Reds. Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs. Total on this game is 9, with the under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. If you like this total over, you're going to get anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105 on the juice. The Cubs are anywhere between a minus 125 and minus 130 favorite. If you want to take a shot here with the Reds, that is going to be anywhere between plus 110 and plus 120. Both these pitchers are a little bit ancient. They've been around the block a little bit, but... What we notice is that both these gentlemen are also doing a very good job of being able to deal for these teams as well. Kyle Hendricks, somehow, someway, has went 17 innings in his last two starts and has looked absolutely magnificent. He's got his ERA all the way down to a 3 one He's given up just three home runs in 42 and a third innings. Only 34 strikeouts. He's not a big swing and miss guy, but the eight walks are sensational. And Tanner Rorick looks much better to the start of this year than he did last year. You may recall he got off to that 4-12 start with the Washington Nationals. This year, 3-1 record, 3-27 ERA. In 41 and a third innings, he's given up just two home runs. The 19 walks are a little bit of a concern, but in this one, I do look at the Cubs being able to have much better bats. There is a team hitting 254 for the for the Cincinnati Reds, just 216. What I will say is that these teams are pretty equal in regards to the amounts of home runs that they had, but with the Cubs, you just have much more security in guys like Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo. Baez is hitting 323. Rizzo, he's picked up the average back to above 250. He's got 10 dingers himself. Then you've got so many guys for the Cubs that are starting to get back on track. Chris Bryant now has his average back above 250. Kyle Schwarber has been struggling with his 230 average, but then you also have Jason Hayward, who's been doing a good job of hitting for the team. We've seen a little bit of regression from him and Daniel Descalso, but David Bodie has been a nice bat in the middle of the lap, and Wilson Contreras has 10 home runs himself. He's hitting above 300. You look on the flip side for the Cincinnati Reds, Jose Iglesias is right now doing the best job of being able to hit for average. He's hitting 288, but then from there, we're seeing a big divide. Joey Votto has seen a massive dip in his production. He's hitting just 206. It makes it all the more important that Nick Sensel has gotten the call up to the big leagues. He's hitting 233 with three home runs. In the past, I would say, week and a half, Yasiel Puig hitting just 217 himself. Kyle Farmer, 235. Tucker Barnard below the Mendoza line. So those guys have not been holding up their end of the bargain. And we've noticed that Jesse Winker has been out of the lineup a little bit. He provides 10 home runs. Dane Diedrich has been in and out as well. He's also got 10 home runs. Neither of those guys are hitting necessarily 
really well in regards to average, but Eugenio Suarez has picked things up. He's now hitting a 259. He's been providing a lot of power with 12 home runs so far this year, so he's going to be a big cog. And we do know that the Reds bullpen is very good, but other than a couple untrustworthy arms for the Cubs, things have been going well for them. I do like what I've seen out of Carl Edwards Jr. coming out of the pen ever since he spent some time on the injured list. Brad Brock has been solved for this team along with Brandon Kinsler. So for that reason, I do think the Cubs are going to win a little bit of a lower scoring game. Going to be on the Cubs. Going to be on the under as well in this game. Currently in Wayne C-Mode on both of these plays. I would like to try to get a little bit of better numbers on both, but I'm going to be playing both of those. We move on to 9.53, 9.54 on the betting rotation. It is the Milwaukee Brewers, and they are in Philadelphia to face off against the Phillies. Jared Eikhoff goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers trot out there Brandon Woodruff. Total on this game is varying between 8 and 8.5. And for the 8, if you like the over, that is minus 120. The under is even. On 8.5, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even juice and minus 105. If you like the Milwaukee Brewers, you're going to get anywhere between even money to Plus 105, I even see a minus 102 out there, so this one's ranging quite a bit. Meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to lay anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115. I really like what I've seen out of Jared Eikhoff so far this year. Brandon Woodruff seems to be coming into his own as a pitcher as well. Woodruff has had some quality starts, and Jared Eikhoff, he hasn't been a starter for this team all year. He actually got his first appearance of the year as a long reliever, but in 30 innings for the Philadelphia Phillies, a 1-5-0 ERA, .97 whip, has not allowed a single home run. 11 walks seems a little bit high, but Pass said he has been sensational. And then for Woodruff, he's got great swing and miss stuff. 54 strikeouts in 42 and a third innings. 4-2-5 ERA, 1-3-7 whip. That's a little bit high, and he's given up four home runs, but he seems to be doing a much better job for this team. And we all know what the Milwaukee Brewers provide in regards to the bats. Christian Yelich hitting 338, 16 home runs, 37 RBI. But they do have some struggling bats out there as well. Ryan Braun was a guy that at the beginning of the year wasn't getting the job done. He's really been able to kick it up, but we've noticed he hasn't been in the lineup the past couple days. It's been Ben Gamble filling his place. He's hitting right around 290, so that's been good. But we're also noticing that Manny Pina, Travis Shaw, and Jesus Aguiar all hitting below 200 to this point. It's been Eric Thames getting more at-bats as a result. He and Mike Moussakis both hitting 250. Yasmani Grandal has seen his average dip to a 260 and Lorenzo Cain 247. So we're noticing a lot of guys for this team not necessarily getting it done with the bats. Meanwhile, with the Philadelphia Phillies, they've been a little bit hit or miss so far this year, but you got to like what you've seen out of Reese Hoskins. He's hitting just below 290. He's also provided 11 home runs and over 30 RBI. Bryce Harper and Andrew McCutcheon, you I think that they're going to be able to up their averages. Harper hitting 229 and Andrew McCutcheon 238 going into Monday. JT Riamuto has been good though. Cesar Hernandez hitting just below 300. Odubo Herrera is hitting 260 as well. He's fresh off the injured list. Mikel Franco has seen a little bit of a dip in his production, but Gene Segura hitting 306 has been good as well. And both these teams are pretty good bullpens. Jeremy Jeffries doing the job for the Brewers. They're getting a lot of guys that are just mismashing and being able to give this team some very good innings with Corbin Birds back at the bullpen. It really helps out the Brewers as well. Meanwhile, with Phillies, guys like Hector Neris or Anthony Dominguez and company have been doing a nice job as well. So this is a total that I am certainly taking a look at the under with and have already fired on. And with Philadelphia Phillies, I'm going to be acting on them as well. I do think that they have a little bit more of a consistent lineup and I do like Eikhoff in this spot as well. Just in wait and see mode to see if I'm going to be able to get a little bit of a better 
number because I'm noticing steam coming in on the Milwaukee Brewers. Game 9:55, 9:56 on the betting rotation. It is the New York Mets, and they are on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Noah, Thor, Syndergaard going for the Mets. Jeremy Ellickson for the Washington Nationals. Total on this game is 8, and if you like the over, the juice is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. If you like the under, that is anywhere between even juice and minus 105. Want to take a shot here on the Mets? You're going to be laying anywhere between minus 153 and minus 160. Want to take the plus price here with the Washington Nationals? You're going to get anywhere between plus 150 and plus 140. This is a spot where I do have to take a look at the New York Mets. Jeremy Hellickson has a 2-1 record, but he has not been very trustworthy at all. 5-5-2 ERA, 1-6-1 whip. In his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers, he was hit like a pinata. Meanwhile, Syndergaard, he hasn't necessarily been too great himself. 49 innings so far this year. He's only given up 12 walks compared to the 13 of Hellickson in 31 innings. And in 31 innings, Hellickson has given up 7 long balls, but Syndergaard in those 49 innings has given up 7 himself. But the big problem is... 5-1-4 ERA for Syndergaard. He's been hit, and he's been hit hard. And then when you take a look at both these lineups, they've both been a little bit streaky with the bats, but I do have a little bit more faith in the New York Mets in this spot. Pete Alonso has been doing a great job of being able to drive in some runs for this team. 32 RBI, 271 average, 12 home runs. Jeff McNeil at the top of the lineup doing a great job with his 360 average. And you got to think that Wilson Ramos and Robinson Cano, the big offseason acquisitions, going to be able to get back on track. Cano's hitting right around 260, and Ramos has seen his average dip to 230, which is why he's been out of the lineup quite a bit. We've also seen JVD Davis be able to hit 276 amid Rosario hitting just below 300 himself along with Michael Conforto, and Conforto has been providing some power with eight home runs so far this year himself. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Washington Nationals. This is a squad that is getting back Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon. That is obviously big for this team, but Howie Kendrick has been the best bat for this team. 306 average. He's got six home runs, as does Anthony Rendon, who missed a lot of the season due to being on the injured list, but that should certainly help out this lineup. Adam Eaton at the top is hitting 280, but you're noticing that Gerardo Parra and Brian Dozier both hitting below the Mendoza line along with Michael A. Taylor. Kurt Suzuki has been decent whenever he's been at the catcher spot with the 254, and then you've got Jan Gomes is able to provide a little bit of pop as well, but with both these teams, the bullpen, very, very suspect to say the least. You've got the dead last bullpen ERA in the big leagues with the Washington Nationals. And the New York Mets, do you really want to trust in guys like Jurisic Familia, Robbie Gazelman, and Bachelor and stuff like that? I really don't. This is a spot where I do think that runs are going to be a plenty, but I think that Jeremy Hellickson is going to get shelled much worse than Mr. Thor Syndergaard, so I am all about the Mets run line in the spot. Currently, I'm seeing between even juice and plus 105 on that, so I'm in wait and see mode there, but I've already locked in this total over at eight runs. This is just a game that I think that we could see one of these teams get to eight all by themselves. I am on the Mets run line just waiting to see on the price there, but have already locked in the over on this game. 957, 958 on the regular rotation. The Atlanta Braves play host to the St. Louis Cardinals. Jack Flaherty goes for the Cardinals. Michael Fultonavich goes for the Braves. Total in this game is 9, and the over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 juice, and the same goes for the under. If you like the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be getting anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. This line is ranging quite a bit, and that goes for the St. Louis Cardinals as well. If you like the Cardinals, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 118 and minus 105, so we're seeing a very fluid line here, and I just have a lot more faith in the 
Cardinals in general because Mike Fultonavich, ever since he's come off the injured list, just has not been a good pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. He's made three starts for him so far, and in 16 and two-thirds innings, he's given up five home runs. He has a 594 ERA and a 144 whip. Jack Flaherty has seen a little bit of regression from last year as well. He's got a 432 ERA. He's given up eight dingers in 41 and two-thirds innings, but he's also been doing a decent job of being able to get strikeouts 47 of them in 42 and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, for Fultonavich, just 10 strikeouts. He's got five walks in those 16 and two-thirds innings as well. And then with the Cardinals, they just seem to have a little bit more pop in general. Marcel Ozuna, 34 RBI and 11 home runs. I know that he's now hitting a little bit below 240, but you have to like the fact that Paul Goldschmidt is also there to help him out. He's got 10 dingers and a 270 average. Paul DeYoung hitting 321. Jose Martinez hitting 339 as well. Colton Wong has seen a little bit of regression, but Yadier Molina seems to be raking as well. He's now hitting a 280. Meanwhile, you take a look at the other side for the Atlanta Braves. You got to like what Freddie Freeman is providing to the table, 308 average. We all know that the power is there. Nick Barkakis hitting just below 300 as well. And then you've got the versatility of Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies. Both these guys are combining to hit right around 275, and both are able to provide some good power themselves. Dane Swanson has 25 RBI. Charlie Gulberson, whatever they need in that bat from him, is pretty good. And then both Tyler Flowers and Brian McCann do a very good job of being able to hit whenever they're behind the dish. But with the Atlanta Braves, you just don't know what you're going to get from game to game from the bullpen. Sean Newcomb has actually been a very good bullpen arm for this team. I like what Luke Jackson is showing me, but then you've got guys like Wesley Parsons that don't know what they're doing. I will say that Jacob Webb has been a nice find as well. And then with the St. Louis Cardinals, they've got one of the better bullpens out there in the bigs. Dominique Leone is not been getting the job done, but I do like the way that Jordan Hicks is being able to close out games for this team. I do think that Andrew Miller at some point is going to be able to get back on track. And with the Cardinals, I just think that they've got a little bit of a better lineup here. So I've already locked in the Cardinals, and I've already locked in this total over with Jack Flaherty and Michael Fultonavich having their struggles. So we are all good to go there. 959-960 on the batting rotation. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they are in Arizona to face off against the Diamondbacks. Luke Weaver goes for the Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Joe Musgrove. Total in this game is between 8.5 and and 9. If you like the 8.5, that over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you want the 9, the 9 comes with an under of anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125 juice. Over between even and plus 105. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 137 and minus 145. Want to take the Buckos here. That is anywhere between plus 125 and plus 131. This is a spot where I do have to trust in Luke Weaver. He has been doing a lights-out job for this team all year long. And Joe Musgrove has had some pretty good starts for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But all of a sudden, he's been beginning to get shelled. And both these guys are backed up by bullpens that... Let's face it, they're in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in regards to ERA, but I do have a little bit more faith in that of the Arizona Diamondbacks because they do have a pretty solid closer in Greg Holland. Meanwhile, for Musgrove, he has a 1-4 record. He's getting high because his ERA is currently a 4-20 and 40 and two-thirds innings. He's only given up one home run, which is nice. The 14 walks aren't bad, but he doesn't necessarily have the swing and miss stuff that Luke Weaver has. Luke Weaver, 298 ERA, 1-6 whip, 45 and a third innings. He's got 50 punch outs, just 10 walks. He's given up four home runs, but all in all, that's not bad. We are noticing that for the Pittsburgh Pirates, their bats are starting to pick it up as well. Josh Bell going into Monday's action, hitting above 300. 
10 home runs, over 30 RBI. That has been terrific. Adam Frazier and Sterling Marte at the top of the lineup are starting to hit as well. Marte has gotten his average up to a 238. Milky Cabrera hitting 324, and Brian Reynolds hitting nearly 300 as well. You still have Cole Tucker and Francisco Cervelli hitting below the Benoza line, but Kevin Newman hitting over 340 is nice as well. Then with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've got some pretty solid speed and slugged by Gerard Dyson, who hits right around 270. He's got seven stolen bases in limited time this year. Eduardo Escobar is hitting nearly 280. Then you've got David Peralta, who's hitting above 300. We've seen a little bit of regression from Chris Walker, but he's still been doing a nice job with his 286 average. And Nick Ahmad, Cattell Marte both do a good job of being able to provide a solid 250-plus average. And with Marte, he's already got 28 RBI this year. And Adam Jones in the middle of the lineup, a veteran bat that knows how to get on as well. This is a spot where I do give the advantage to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do think that the Pirates, who have had a tough time scoring so far this year, just are not going to be able to find it against Luke Weaver. Currently, Wayne Simon has to if I can get a little bit of more favorable juice on under 9. So I'm just right now trying to see what I'm going to be able to all get on this under. But I'm going to be on the Diamondbacks in this spot. Currently waiting to see if I can get a little bit of a better number as well because I'm noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the Pittsburgh Pirates. 961, 962 on the bang rotation. The San Diego Padres are in Los Angeles face off against the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw goes for the Dodgers. Chris Paddock for the San Diego Padres. If you like the San Diego Padres, you're going to get anywhere between a plus 143 and plus 155 price. If you want to lay it here with the Dodgers, that is anywhere between minus 157 and minus 170. Total in this game is 7, with the under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Juicy over is between minus 105 and plus 105. Chris Paddock has been absolutely sensational so far this year for the San Diego Padres. He's got to be an early front runner for the Cy Young. And we all know what Clayton Kershaw can do as well. Now, I will say for Clayton Kershaw, he's given up a little bit of hard contact in 32 and two-thirds innings. He's given up five home runs, but the command is still there, just six walks. Meanwhile, for Chris Paddock, 0.69 whip and a 1.55 ERA. And he's backed up by one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. He's given up just 18 hits in 40 and two-thirds innings, 46 strikeouts. He has been sensational. For the San Diego Padres, they're not necessarily a team that's mashing 232 average, but 60 home runs in their first 41 games of the year is pretty good. And with the Dodgers, we all know they're able to provide 68 home runs so far this year. It's all led by Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger hitting 407, 14 home runs, 38 RBI. He has been sensational. Justin Turner last week had five home runs. He has really picked it up in that regard, but then you do have a couple guys that are a little bit lighter hitting. Chris Taylor hitting just 214. Jock Peterson, I know that he's got a double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting just 219. Corey Seager has not really picked it up with the bat. He's hitting 227, but Alex Verdugo hitting 333 has been able to alleviate a lot of that. Then you take a look at the flip side for the San Diego Padres. They've been playing Without Fernando Tatis Jr. for a while, he's a 300 hitter, but Eric Hosmer picking it up nearly 270 average, six home runs, 24 RBI. Famio Reyes is really starting to go yard. He's got 11 home runs. Hunter Renfro has come into his own as well. He's got 10 home runs for the year. He's been absolutely terrific. Banning Machado has upped his average to a 252 after a slow start, and Will Meyer seems to be picking it up as well. His average has ascended to a 248. He seems to be back to his great ways, and Greg Garcia at the top of the lineup doing a great job of getting 
getting on base with an OBP above 400. This is a spot where I look at the better bullpen because I think that both these pitchers are going to go far. I'm going to be on the under in this game. Currently in Wayne Simo to see if I can get a little bit of better juice, but I do think that guys like Kirby Yates and Greg Saman are going to be able to outduel the bullpen of guys like Joe Kelly and Yimi Garcia for the LA Dodgers. I think we're going to get a good pitcher's duel, but I think that in the end, the San Diego Padres pull it out. So for that reason, going to take the plus price here with the Padres and wait and see mode to see if I can get anything better than 155, but I'm right now very close to locking this in because I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a whole lot better than this, and I am in wait and see mode on this under. Game 963-964 on the betting rotation. The Cleveland Indians go on the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. I've been jonesing to say these two names all day long. For the Cleveland Indians, Carlo Carrasco goes for them. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, Manuel Benuelos. We've got a total of 8.5 on this game with the over anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under between even juice and minus 105. If you like the Cleveland Indians, you're going to be laying quite a bit here. Anywhere between minus 172 and minus 185. I want to take a plus price here with the Chicago White Sox. You're going to get anywhere between plus 157 and plus 168. Manuel Benuelos, the last time he took the mound against the Cleveland Indians, it didn't go as planned. That was a game of which was called short after five innings. He gave up five runs in those five innings. Meanwhile, Carlos Carrasco in that start wound up giving up no runs. He looked sensational, but we do know this about Carlos Carrasco. He gives up a lot of hard contact. 40 and a third innings. Eight home runs surrendered. He's got 56 strikeouts, which is nice, and just seven walks, but that hard contact is an issue. And then for Mr. Benuelos, the RA is a 667. The whip is a 189. He has given up 16 walks in 27 innings to go with seven home runs. I know that the Cleveland Indians are really struggling with the bats. They go into this game hitting about 222 as a collective and just 35 home runs in their first 39 games, but I do think that this is a valuable time for them to be able to get on track. Leonis Martin hitting just 225, but he's able to lead the team in home runs with six, which is actually really darn sad, but Francisco Lindor seems to be getting online with the bat. He hit his fifth dinger of the year yesterday. He's got his average back above 280. Jason Kipnis, you got to think at some point, is going to be able to improve upon his average. He and Jose Ramirez hitting right around the Mendoza line. Carlos Gonzalez hitting 230 is something that won't stand. Carlos Santana has been a constant getting on base at about a clip of a .377. Jake Bowers has been hitting okay at a .240, but Jordan Luplo hitting .286 has been a good find for the team, and in that five-inning game, he had two home runs in that one. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, Charlie Tilson has been doing a great job hitting above 300 ever since he got called up to the big leagues. Yonder Alonso and Wellington Castillo both hitting below the Mendoza line is bad. Yomer Sanchez is hitting .217, and Ryan Cordell right around .230-ish. That's not been good, but Jose Abreu now has 10 home runs. He's hitting nearly 275 along with Yohan Moncada, who's got eight dingers of his own. He's hitting 276. And then you got Tim Anderson, who's able to pound about as well. Eight home runs, 331 average. But with that said, I do think that this is going to be a game in which the Indians are really going to be able to get right on Benuelos. I will say that the White Sox bullpen has been much improved, and we know that with the Cleveland Indians, they've got one of the better pitching staffs and one of the best bullpens out there in the bigs, but I do think that this is a spot that the game goes over, and I've already locked in the over on this game. I am also looking at an Indians run line because I do think that they're going to get to Benuelos, and they're going to hit him hard. Currently, I'm seeing a run line price of minus 120, and waiting and see to try 
to see if I can get a little bit of something closer to even juice. So that way I'm still not laying a little bit of a price there. 965, 966 on the bang rotation. It is the Baltimore Orioles, and they are on the road facing off against the New York Yankees. J.A. Hep Hep Array goes for the Yankees. Andrew Kashner for the Baltimore Orioles. Total in this game is 8.5 with the under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. If you like the over, that is between even juice and minus 105. If you're looking at the Baltimore Orioles, you're going to get a plus price anywhere between plus 195 and plus 220. Want to lay it here with the Yankees. That is anywhere between minus 230 and minus 260. I mentioned it before with Jeff Nadeau, a.k.a. the big man on campus. Andrew Kasher has been the third most profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. Say what you will about him, but the guy has been able to win games. He's not necessarily lighting the world on fire with his ERA. He's got a 4-2-5 ERA, but the 4-1 record is great. In 42 and a third innings, he's given up 7 home runs and 16 walks, which isn't necessarily great. The 33 strikeouts don't stand out, but Jay Happ has actually been a little bit less effective this year. 2-3 and three record. 436 ERA, 9 home runs given up in 43 and a third innings. The 12 walks are a little bit better, but with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have a couple guys that are doing a good job of being able to hit for some contact. Trey Boom Boom Mancini, 316 average. He's got 7 home runs so far this year. Dwight Smith Jr. hitting in the realm of 280 to go with 8 dingers of his own. And then with the Baltimore Orioles, Chris Davis has his average very nearly to 200. Considering how bad of a start he got off to this year, that means that he's been hitting pretty well as of late. They've been able to get a very nice find out there with Hanser Alberto as well. He's hitting 271 along with Stevie Wilkerson. Renato Nunez has seen his average dip to a 221, but Rio Ruiz is picking it up along with Pedro Severino. Both these guys are hitting in the mid-240s. Then you take a look at the other side for the New York Yankees. They now have Miguel Anduar back on the injured list, but they do get back Aaron Hicks. We're going to have to wait and see what he does. Glaber Torres and Clifford Frazier are both hitting around 290. Brett Gardner hitting just 204. You got to think that's going to improve. But Gio Urshela has been a nice find at a 341 with his average. Cameron Mabin hitting just below 300. And then with Gary Sanchez and Luke Voigt, they've got a combined 21 home runs so far this year, even though Voigt is hitting just a 234. And I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to put up some runs in this game. And we know that the Baltimore Orioles, they obviously have a very bad bullpen. But with the Orioles, they're doing a good job of being able to hit. So for that reason, I am taking this total over and have locked it in. But with the way that Casher has been pitching and the way that Happ has been struggling a little bit, despite the fact that the Yankees have a little bit of a better bullpen, I'm looking at the plus price here with the Orioles. We all know that the Yankees are a very public team, so for that reason, I'm in waiting see mode to try to see if I can get a little bit more out of this line, but going to be on the Orioles, and I've already locked in the over. 967-968 on the batting rotation. The Houston Astros go to Detroit to face off against the Tigers. Ryan Carpenter goes for the Detroit Tigers. Wade, party in the USA, Miley goes for the Houston Astros. That was my ode to Miley Cyrus. The total on this game is anywhere between 10 and 9.5. If you like the 9.5, the under is plus 110. The over is minus 130. If you like the 10, the under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. With the Houston Astros, you're going to be laying quite a bit of juice here. Anywhere between minus 180 and minus 195. Want to take a plus price here with the Detroit Tigers. Going to get anywhere between plus 165 and plus 175. Ryan Carpenter is just a pitcher that I cannot back. As much as I want to, he was absolutely atrocious in his first start of the year against the LA Angels. And this is following up 
a year in which he had a ERA of a 7.25 when he was in the big leagues in 2018. This is just a guy that you don't want to be sticking your chips in the middle with. And Wade Miley actually has been pretty good so far this year. 3-2 record, 3.18 ERA, and 45 and a third innings. He's given up six home runs and 11 walks. Doesn't have great swing and miss stuff, just 30 strikeouts. But with Ryan Carpenter, his ERA is at 10.80. And in five innings pitch, he's given up six runs, two of which were home runs. And it's just not going well. And with the Houston Astros, this team is ripping the cover off the ball. In their first 41 games of the year, they've got 75 home runs. That includes Michael Brantley hitting 331. I think he's got 10 home runs. George Springer hitting 321. 15 home runs at 37 RBI going into Monday's action. He has been absolutely sensational. Josh Reddick hitting well above 300. Heck, whenever Jake Marizic is in the lineup, he's hitting like 280. You've got Alex Bregman hitting 275 with a double-digit amount of home runs. Carlos Correa has power. He's hitting above 300. Yuri Gurriel, 280. This is the best team in regards to average in the big leagues. And the Detroit Tigers towards the bottom of the league in regards to home run. Miguel Cabrera, just one dinger this year. He's hitting 290, which is nice. And Ronnie Rodriguez has actually been the nice find for this team. He's hitting 286, 5 home run, 14 RBI, and they needed it because Jameer Candelario hitting below the Mendoza line, as is Josh Harrison, as is Jacoby Jones. Reiner is hitting 204 for this team. Christian Stewart is hitting 217. Nico Goodrum is hitting 217, and Nick Cassianos right around 275. Brandon Dixon actually might be the second best bat on this team, by the way. He was not playing yesterday, but he's been doing a good job for this team. With the Detroit Tigers, we've also noticed that they've been doing a little bit of a better job with their bullpen. They seem to be getting some good outings out of guys like Shane Green. Buck Farmer, a failed starter, has actually been decent out of the bullpen, as has Victor Alcantara and Jose Jimenez was an all-star last year, so they've actually done a very good job. So even if Ryan Carpenter gets completely exploded. There is hope for the total under, and I've already locked in the under on this one. I couldn't pass up 9.5 at plus 110. And I'm looking at the Astros run line. Currently across the board, I'm seeing minus 130 on that run line. I do think the Astros are going to be able to win a convincing game, and I think the Tigers are going to get held down by Wade Miley and the Houston Astros, who have the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. But I'm currently in Wade Simo just because I want to lay a little bit less juice than minus 130. Game 969, 970 on the bang rotation. It is the LA Angels, and they are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Felix Pena goes for the LA Angels. Total in this game is ranging between 8.5 and, and 9. If you like the 8, the over is minus 120. The under is even. If you like the 9, that under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Over between even juice and plus 105. If you're taking a look here at the Angels, you're going to get a plus price anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. One late here with the Twins. That is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Now, I have to throw out there this disclaimer before I even get in depth on this game. Felix Pena has had openers come in from quite a bit, and typically the openers are not announced until the day of the game. So, a couple hours before the game, if you have a ticket that says Felix Pena, make sure that he is the starting pitcher because we might see someone like Cam Bedrosian or someone like that be the opener. So, Big disclaimer there. With that said, I do think that both these pitchers have been doing a pretty good job this year. Kyle Gibson, 3-1 record, 4-1-9 ERA in 38 and two-thirds innings, only giving up 11 walks and six home runs. And Pena has actually been terrific. 
33 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 3-2-1 ERA, .92 whip, seven walks, and six home runs allowed. That's pretty darn good, but what we also know about the Minnesota Twins is through their first 39 games of the year, 71 home runs, including 13 of them from Eddie Rosario. He went into Monday's action hitting 238, 13 dingers, 32 RBI. He has been absolutely sensational. You take a look at so many of the other guys for the Minnesota Twins. They have been doing the job as well. Max Kepler hitting right around 250. He's been providing eight home runs. Williams Estudio is now back in the lineup at the catcher spot. He's hitting 315. He's the guy that's able to provide some power. Mitch Garver has been absolutely terrific. He's hitting above 340, eight home runs this year. Jorge Polanco hitting 330 with eight dingers himself. CJ Crone has picked it up. Marwan Gonzalez is upping his average. Ahir Adrianza has been struggling, but he's still able to provide some power as well. And then you got like what Jason Castro provides behind the dish. And for the LA Angels, their bats have gotten very hot. They were able to get Shohei Otani going yesterday. He had his first home run of the campaign. Albert Pujols, despite a 221 average, he's got eight dingers. Cole Calhoun has upped his average to above 240. He's got nine home runs. Mike Trout has been doing a little bit of everything, 287 average. He's still able to provide some power. And then you've got Andrelton Simmons, who's hitting above 300, along with Brandon Goodwin. Daniel Fletcher hitting right around 290. And Kevin Smith is hitting 280 himself. So things going very well for the LA Angels. But I do think that the Twins are getting some very good pitching in general from not just their starters, but also the bullpen has picked it up. And with the Angels, they've got one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. I just default to the bats of the Minnesota Twins in this spot. I'm currently in wait and see mode because I'm noticing a little bit of steam coming in on the Angels and the under. So I'm going to be playing both of these, the Twins and the under, because I think we've got a good pitching matchup in this one. Just waiting to see what numbers I'm going to be able to get when it's all said and done. 971, 972 on the betting rotation. The Texas Rangers head to Kansas City to face off against the Royals. Danny Duffy goes for the Royals. Shelby Miller for the Texas Rangers. Total in this game is 9.5. The over is minus 115 across the board. The under is minus 105. If you like the Rangers, you're going to get a plus price anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120. One lay here with the Royals. That is anywhere between minus 125 and minus 130. Shelby Miller has been atop the fade list all year long in regards to my pitchers. We have finally found the point in which I'm willing to bet on Shelby Miller. I am backing him in this spot. I'm in wait and see mode as to what number I'm going to be getting because I'm noticing some steam coming out on the Royals. I'm not proud of it. Shelby Miller, 1-2 record, 748 ERA in 27 and two-thirds innings. He's walked 21 men and he's given up five home runs. Danny Duffy, on the other hand, he's just a guy that I cannot trust in. All along for the year, he's actually been pretty decent in his three starts. 1-1 one one record, 306 ERA. This is a very small sample size. As last year, he was such a good guy to bet against. In 155 innings, he had 70 walks. Opponents hit 264 off of him. He wound up going 8-11 and 11 with a 488 ERA. And he's backed up by a Kansas City Royals bullpen that I know that the Texas Rangers bullpen has its problems. Jose LeClerc, look no further than him. Jesse Chavez, I mean, it's not good, but... With the Kansas City Royals, you've got guys like Brad Boxberger, Heath Fillmeyer, whenever they need long relief and everything like that. And with the Texas Rangers, they also are towards the top of the big leagues in regards to runs per game. And they've been doing a terrific job with their offense. Joey Gallo hitting right around 248, but he's got 12 home runs for this team so far this year. You take a look at what they're getting out of Alvis Andrews. He's hitting 327. Danny Santana hitting above 300, as is Sin Chu Chu. Heck, Logan Forsyth 
hitting right around 280 for the squad. Now you've got the Famine Bats. Noah Mazzara hitting just above 225. Ezra Cabrera hitting 239. Ronald Guzman hitting below the Mendoza line. Isaiah Kinnear Felfa hitting right on the Mendoza line. But then you've also got Hunter Pence, who is ageless. There was a point last week in a two-game span in which he had eight RBI in two games. It was incredible. Then you take a look at the other end for the Kansas City Royals. They are getting some very good production out of Jorge Soler. Hitting 248, 10 home runs, 25 RBI. Eight Alberto Mondesi, 33 RBIs to go with his five home runs and 270 average. Whit Merrifield hitting just below 290. And then Alex Gordon has been doing a great job for this team. He's driven in 31. He's got a average of a 296 and Hunter Dozier. Nine dingers to go with his 318 average. But then other than Kelvin Gutierrez, you're not getting a lot out of the other guys. Ryan O'Hearn, Chris Owings, Chris Gallagher all hitting below the Mendoza line. Billy Hamilton hitting 225 himself. Not necessarily redeeming qualities there. So for that reason, I am taking a look at this total over. I'm currently waiting Simo to see if I can get more minus 110 juice instead of minus 115. But I am also taking the Texas Rangers. I think that we're going to get runs of plenty. And I trust in the Rangers bullpen a little bit more than the Kansas City Royals. We move on to 973-974 on the bank rotation. The Oakland A's are in Seattle to face off against Mariners. Mike Leak goes for the Seattle Mariners. Brett Anderson goes for the Oakland A's. We've got a total of nine on this game. With the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is between even juice and minus 110. If you're taking a look at the Seattle Mariners, that is anywhere between plus 101 and minus 105. If you want to take the Oakland A's in the spot, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 108 and minus 111. I do like what I've seen out of Brad Anderson. And even though Mike Leake had a pretty quality last start when he faced off against the New York Yankees, he's just not necessarily a guy I can get behind. He was actually a pretty profitable pitcher last year, but... We've been noticing that he's been getting hit, and he's been getting hit pretty hard. And with the Seattle Mariners, they've got one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues. Meanwhile, the A's, you know that you can't trust at this point. Fernando Rodney and Joaquin Soria. Heck, J.B. Wendelkirk has let them down a little bit, but it's still a whole heck of a lot better. And then with Brad Anderson, in 43 innings pitched this year, he's got 4-1-9 ERA and 1-4-4 whip, but he's only given up one home run. The 19 walks, a massive concern. And then you take a look at the other side for Mike Leake. It's like the exact opposite. 437 ERA, 142 whip. Those numbers are similar, but in 47 and the third innings, he's given up just nine walks, but 11 home runs. That is a little bit of an issue. And the Oakland A's are a team that are just 1-14 and 14 when they do not get a home run in their game so far this year. But with the Oakland A's, you do have some struggling bats. Matt Chapman is hitting 280 going into Monday's action. That hasn't necessarily been great. Chris Davis has been in and out of the lineup recently. They had to give him a little bit of rest. Marcus Simeon and Chad Pinder both hitting above 270. That's been a nice little cog for this team, but Steven Piscotti has not gotten it going with the home runs. He has just five so far this year with a 245 average. Mark Hanna hitting right at the Mendoza line. Matt Olson ever since he's come off the injured list hitting 214, but I will say that Jeff Feigley and his 269 average has been nice. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, going into their game on Monday, they had seven guys in the lineup that had at least seven home runs. Mitch Hanniger has been struggling with his average at a 229 and Edwin Encarnado Encarnacion hitting just 232, but Encarnacion and Jay Bruce both have 12 home runs apiece. Now Jay Bruce hitting below the Mendoza line and Ryan Neely 236 with his six home runs, but all in all, these guys are doing a great job of being able to rake. And then with the Mariners, you know how feast or famine they are with regards to their bats. So for that reason, I do think that the Oakland A's are the right spot in this game. I have already locked in the Oakland A's. 
And I'm actually going to be taking a look at the under here because I do think that Brett Anderson is going to be able to deliver a good start. Mike Leake did look better in his start against the New York Yankees, and the A's are struggling with their bats. I think the A's pull out a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that they limit the hard contact of the Mariners, which is how they've been able to score so many runs this year. And I think that the A's are going to be able to win in a game of a little bit more small balls. So give me the Oakland A's and the under in this spot as we move on to 975-976 on the Bangor rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays head to Miami to face off against the Marlins. Craig Smith takes a bump for the fish. Meanwhile, Charlie Morton goes for the Tampa Bay Rays. Total in this game is 6.5 with the over anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under between even juice and minus 105. If you're taking a look here at the fish, you're going to get anywhere between plus 114 and plus 120. One lady here with the Rays. That is anywhere between minus 124 and minus 130. One thing that I noted with Jeff Nadeau in that last segment is that the Tampa Bay Rays continue to win all their games by two-plus runs. They have had one win so far this year out of their 24. That was a one-run win. So they're either covering the run line or they're losing outright. And Charlie Morton is a guy that I would love to stick my chips in the middle with. 264 ERA, 1-2-2 whip, and 44 and a third innings. He's got 56 strikeouts and two home runs given up. Now the 21 walks are a little bit of a concern. Caleb Smith on the other end has been sensational. 211 ERA, 42 and two-thirds innings, 56 punch-outs of his own. He's only given up 12 walks. The five home runs is a little bit heightened, but... I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays, with Austin Meadows back in the lineup, has a very good piece back in there. He is hitting 360 with 8 home runs and 22 RBI, despite spending some time on the injured list. Yandy Diaz has been terrific himself. 267 average with 9 home runs. Brandon Lowe has been able to provide 8 dingers. He's hitting 288. G-Man Choi has seen his average dip a little bit, but you've still got other bats out there for the Tampa Bay Rays that are getting the job done, like Tommy Pham. He's hitting a 283. We've noticed that Avicio Garcia has upped his average to a 282. He's got some power. Now Kevin Kiermeyer is falling back to earth along with Daniel Robertson. Both these guys hitting below 225, but then you take a look at the Miami Marlins. They are not hitting to save their lives right now. They've got a team average of 219, 24 home runs in their first 39 games. That is by far the worst mark out there in the big leagues. And then their best players in regards to average are Miguel Rojas and Jorge Alfaro. Both guys are hitting right around 245-ish. It's just not going well for them. And Alfaro also leads them in home runs with five. They're just not getting anything out of these guys whatsoever. John Birdie is hitting 239. Brett Anderson, 229. I will say that Neil Walker's hitting 287. That's been very good for this team, but you just don't have any faith in this lineup. They've got a below average bullpen as well. The Rays have a lights out bullpen. So for that reason, even though Caleb Smith is going, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression with them. I think the Rays are going to be able to hit them, and I think that they're going to be able to win this game convincingly. I'm right now seeing a Rays run line price of plus 130. Wayne Seamode, I would like to see if I'm able to get a little bit more there. I'm going to be playing this total over. Just would like to see if I'm able to get more of a minus 105 or minus 110 juice instead just because I think the Rays can get to seven runs all by themselves in this game. We move on to 977-978 on the bank rotation. The Boston Red Sox play with the Colorado Rockies. Kyle Freeland goes for the Rockies. Boston has Chris Sale going to the mound. We're seeing some 8s and some 8.5s on the total. If you like the 8.5, the over is minus 115, the under is minus 105. For the 8s, 
it's actually the exact same. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Someone must be not knowing what they're putting out there. And I'm seeing 1-8 with a minus 125, which means the under on that one is going to be plus 105. And for the rest, it's minus 105. But when you take a look at the sides in this one, you're able to get a big price with the Rockies if you want it. It is anywhere between plus 195 and plus 210. Want to lay it here with the Red Sox. You're laying anywhere between minus 230 and minus 240. Kyle Freeland has not been his normal self so far this year. But what else has not been normal? The way the Rockies are putting up runs. This offense has been absolutely sensational so far this year. They have just been clumping runs together like crazy ever since that 3-12 start. They are 16-9. and And a big reason why, one, Nolan Arenado. 10 home runs, 319 average. 33 RBI, but then you've got so many guys at the top of the lineup that are doing it as well. Charlie Blackman has eight dingers so far this year. He's hitting 305. Trevor Story, 275 average. He's been providing the power. Now you've got a couple guys that are struggling. Mark Reynolds hitting below the Mendoza line. Ryan McMahon, 232. Garrett Hampson is hitting below 200 as well, but Remiel Tapia is hitting 313. Who saw that coming? Daniel Murphy seems to be getting back to his old self, hitting just 203, but he was able to hit a home run on Sunday against the San Diego Padres. David Dull is hitting 319 himself. And then you've got Tony Walters, who's hitting above 300 himself. Meanwhile, you take a look at the other side. The Red Sox have completely exploded with their offense, too. Mitch Moreland, though he has just a 231 average, 12 home runs and 29 RBI, and this guy doesn't necessarily play every day. Rafael Devers hitting above 330 for the team. J.D. Martinez has been hitting above 300 all year long. He now has seven home runs. He was able to have two home runs on Sunday against the Seattle Mariners. Andrew Benatendi has a 276 average. Mookie Betts has upped his average to a 289. Michael Chavis hitting 282. He's been providing a lot of RBI for this team. He's got 21 on the year. Christian Vasquez up to a 278 average. Now, Eduardo Nunez, Stephen Pierce both hitting below the Mendoza line along with Jackie Bradley Jr., but you've got so many other bats like Xander Bogarts are able to step up that you're still getting a lot of offense with this Red Sox team. And what we've noticed is that the Rockies' bullpen hasn't necessarily been great. We're seeing Wade Davis giving up some runs. You just can't trust someone like a DJ Johnson and so oh, but they still are getting some very good appearances from guys like Brian Shaw and Oberg. And with the Boston Red Sox, they have been getting some nice appearances out of guys like Brandon Workman. Matt Barnes has been doing a terrific job, but then you've got a couple other untrustworthy arms like Tyler Thornburg that just are not good. And with Chris Sale, he has been looking a lot better in his starts, but he, for the year, still is struggling. He has a 4-5-0 ERA, 1-5 record. The whip is just a 1-1-1. In 44 innings, he's given up 7 home runs at 11 walks. 56 punch-outs are nice. And then with Kyle Freeland, he's really come back to earth this year. 5-84 ERA. In 44 and 2 thirds innings, he's got 18 walks and has given up 9 home runs, but he is being backed up by a couple guys that are able to do well out of the bullpen, and I do think that we are going to see a whole lot of runs and we're going to see a whole lot of chaos so for that reason, I've already locked in this over. But with that said, I am taking a look at the massive plus price here with the Rockies. With the way that this offense is going, I just don't want to bet against them. And I think that even if Kyle Freeland gets blown up, this offense can provide enough to be able to still get the win. So going to be on the Rockies, and I've already locked in the over. Just in wait and see mode as to what price I'm going to be able to get on the Rockies. And then we close with 979, 980 on the bang rotation. It is the Toronto Blue Jays, and they hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Trent Thornton going on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. Nick Vincent making a start for the San Francisco Giants. 
because the San Francisco Giants had no idea what they were going to do with their starter because Derek Collin has been taken off the starting rotation for some very weird reasons. And Tyler Beatty is a guy with an 1869 ERA right now, and he was supposed to get the start originally. This game is currently off the board. And this is a spot where I really do have to take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays if I'm getting any sort of a respectable number whatsoever. Vincent is probably going to go about two or three innings here for the Giants. And what I will say is that this is according to our friends over there at the San Francisco Chronicles. He has worked at least two innings in seven appearances this year. And in those appearances, he's got a 220 ERA and he's only given up two walks. So obviously that's very good. It seems like Tyler Beatty is probably going to be seeing some action as well, and he's got, like I said, that terrible ERA. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens there because Derek Holland is currently in the bullpen, so they're probably just going to be using a whole mismatch of pieces. But with the San Francisco Giants as well, they won the top bullpen ERA going into the last, I would say, 10 days, but it's really been failing them as of late. As guys like Sam Dyson that had been so reliable starting to give up runs. Meanwhile, with the Toronto Blue Jays, we all know that the offense is out there for this team. 219 average ever since Vlad Guerrero Jr. got called up to the big leagues. They were hitting below 200 as a bunch, but you still do have some guys that are able to hit for some power. Randall Gritchick hitting 257 home runs, 18 RBI. Justin Spoke has seen his average hit to a 224, but he's got 19 RBI. Freddie Galvis is hitting 227, and then what Eric Sogard is the guy that's really doing a good job of being able to get on base. He's hitting above 300. Rowdy Telez has six home runs. He's been able to deliver an average right around 240. Brandon Drury has been awful. Teoscar Hernandez, Danny Jansen. Other than Drury, they're all hitting below the Mendoza line, so that's been very tough. But what I will say for the Giants is that they're not hitting a whole heck of a lot better. I know that they've been playing a lot of overs recently, but a lot of that has been due to them giving up runs. And I will say that they are getting a little bit more online with the power. You've got Kevin Pillar and Evan Longoria, who both now have six home runs this year. But you take a look at the best bats in the lineup. Tyler Austin and Pablo Sandoval in regards to average. They're not guys that play every day. Brandon Belt has seen his average up to a 228. Joe Panic is starting to get on base with the 240 average. Steven Duger is hitting 265, but you don't have too many redeeming qualities with Brandon Crawford, who's hitting 213 and is giving no power whatsoever. And with the Giants struggling with their bullpen and the Toronto Blue Jays actually getting some quality starts out of Trent Thornton, who I know is 0 4 with a 506 ERA, but has looked better recently. 37 and a third innings. He's given up 16 walks and 7 home runs, but he's actually backed up by one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. Guys like Sam Gavilio have been doing a nice job, and Ken Giles, if they have a lead, he's been able to hold it so far this year. My early thoughts are I'm probably going to be looking at the Blue Jays and the under in this spot, but check back in the morning at Union underscore 81 on my Twitter page for official plays here just because this game is currently off the board. And a big thanks to all who listened today on MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks also to our guest, Jeff Nadeau, for joining me in the second segment. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at Union underscore 81. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. 